everyone, welcome to part three of our three-part series on the book of Habakkuk, where we've been looking at this driving question of why doesn't God seem fair? And if you faced a very difficult situation and you just knew God could do something about it, but God didn't do anything about it, and that confused you, then you are very likely to relate with the story of this Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. And so before we jump in, and I know we just pray, but sometimes I just need this to, to recenter, refocus my, my heart and my mind. I'm just going to invite God into this time as well. So God, we thank you again for just um, who you are. We thank you that you are a God that is more than worthy of our surrender. And God, we pray that, that our hearts and minds right now, Lord, would be in a place to receive your truth and receive your word. God, anything that is not of you, God, that it would be dismissed. And we pray that we could hear it specifically in the way, God, that you intended for it to be heard when you first inspired these words. And so, God, we, um, we just open ourselves up to you and just ask for you to lead us in this time. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, so for review, to catch those of you up who maybe you've missed the last couple of weeks, whether you're physically not here or maybe you were here but you were mentally not here, um, we're going to review here a little bit. So Habakkuk was one of 12 minor prophets. We learned that his name actually means to embrace and to wrestle. We learned that God had told Habakkuk that he was going to destroy his people, the Israelites, because of their wickedness and evil practices. But the thing was is that he was going to use an even worse people, people more wicked, more evil, called the Babylonians, to be the source of punishment that would destroy the Israelites. And this didn't seem fair at all to Habakkuk or the people. And we had this, this bell curve here that we've been using throughout the series to help illustrate this journey. So in review, we, we talked about how, imagine there's this person here, this person here, doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Um, they, they might be, you might be you tonight. They were, you're, you're coming and you feel softening in your heart. Um, and then we, we recognize that as time goes by, maybe, God, maybe the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you in a special way where you come to this place of like, God, I believe you. I accept you in my life and the forgiveness of my sins. And, and all of a sudden, um, it's like the spiritual high just happens. Like, it just takes off where it seems like like everything is locked in. God is answering your prayers. Your life is dramatically changing. Um, and it's like there's all these little God coincidences. And it's like everything is amazing. Everything is awesome. Um, and, but then we, we talked about how life continues. And then one day it seems as though God is maybe not answering those prayers. And maybe something challenging happens where you, you lost a job or you lost a loved one. And... And, or maybe it was something happened to someone that was innocent and you're like, that's just not, that doesn't seem to be fair. Like, God, I know that you could do this and I know that you should, but you're not. And it leads us to this place that we've been calling this crisis of belief point, like a faith wall. Where it's like, we, we thought everything was like great, everything was going great here. God was doing all these things and all of a sudden we're kind of in this place of like, God, you can do something here, but you're not. And so it's like... I don't even know what I believe right now. We kind of hit this place. And we talked about how a lot of times when people are here, they just want to immediately kind of go back to their last spiritual high point and just kind of pretend that they're not experiencing whatever challenge or hardship they are going through right here. 
And so then um, that's one option. And we said it was kind of like a denying of reality. The other option is where people just get angry. They're like, you know what, God, I, th- I thought you should do this and you didn't. Um, and maybe because you didn't, maybe you're not who I thought you were. And maybe I just don't want a relationship with you. And they go to, back to this place without, where they didn't have a relationship with God. They're doing life without him. And a lot of people, um, again, so we'll, what we'll do, we'll call this, this point of, this crisis of belief point. This is like the chapter one of Habakkuk. This is where Habakkuk is living when he's, when he's basically saying, God, I don't understand. And then chapter two, he goes on more into what we call the season of waiting. And you might write chapter two, like right down here. So this is chapter two where he's been doing some waiting. And God says to Habakkuk, be quiet and listen I want to speak. God says, take notes, write this down, because that way you can document what, I'm, what I've shown you. And then wait and wait and wait. And even though things on the outside aren't getting any better, Habakkuk is waiting on God. In chapter 3, we're going to see something very beautiful and powerful, and that is even though the circumstances don't change, Habakkuk's faith and worship of God goes to a new, we'll call it a chapter three level of faith. And the New Testament principle that, that we've been using to describe this, this whole journey here of the dip is found in James 1, 2 through 4, where again it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whenever, I'm sorry, yeah, many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And a lot of people, they want this very real and intimate faith with God, but they don't recognize that God will often use the dip to prove his faithfulness and to bring us to a chapter three type of faith. And so with that foundation laid, let's, let's dive into Habakkuk chapter three, verse one. And it starts off, it says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shiganoth. You're like, okay, what is Shiganoth? It's a Hebrew word that means to praise with strong emotion and impassioned triumph which is hard to understand after everything that Habakkuk has heard, it's, it's hard to fathom that this would be his emotion and his reaction to everything. But he goes on in Habakkuk 3.2, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. He's saying, God, I, I remember. I've heard of your, about your miracles. I've heard about your power. I heard about your glory. I remember them. But God, you're, you're not doing it right now. And honestly, I can tell you guys in my own life, there's seasons in the past where God's presence just seemed so much more evident to me. It was like God was doing this. He's doing that. 
And then all of a sudden it's like, sometimes I wake up and it's like, I, I know that you can, God, but, but you're not. And, and so it, this is what, what Habakkuk's saying. He's saying, renew what you did before. I know you can, God. Do it again. Do it again. And so what do, we, what do you do when you're in the dip and circumstances aren't changing or improving? How do you, by faith, climb out of the dip? And tonight we're going to look at three things that will help you climb out of the dip that Habakkuk does that we can apply directly in our own lives as well. And the first one is this, remember. We're going to learn to remember what God has done. We're going to look back and remember the faithfulness, the character, and the goodness of God. And we're going to remember what God has done. And here's what Habakkuk is going to do. He's going to look at some very tangible and visible things that will trigger memories. Because things can trigger memories. In fact, for if you guys saw the question before, like what was a smell maybe that brought back memories? And so if you think about that, smells do a lot of times bring back memories. It could take you back to either a place it can remind you of a person. It can remind you of a moment. And I think for myself, mine's maybe a little bit weird, but whenever I smell like gasoline, it takes me back to when I was a young little boy. At, we'd go visit my uncle and cousins. They had a lake house up in North Dakota, and they had a shed there that, that they had this three-wheeler in there, and it just always smelled like gasoline whenever we opened the door of the shed. And as a boy that smell would actually get me excited because I knew we were about to have a lot of fun just riding that, that three-wheeler around. And so now whenever I smell gasoline, it doesn't bother me like it would most people. I'm kind of like, we're going to go on a road trip or we're going to do something fun. Like it, it, gasoline, and I'm not saying it like in a pyro kind of way, like, but um, yeah, I like the smell of gasoline. Usually means good things. But maybe some of you smell like apple pie and it takes you back and reminds you of of grandma's house, or maybe you smell any delicious food and it reminds you of Unite here because of Deb Torque and Roman and their great cooking skills. Um, whatever it is for you guys, it could be a song. It could be something like the weather where you're like a sunny day. You're like, oh, I remember in Michigan when there used to be sun. No, I'm kidding. But whatever it is, Habakkuk's going to, he's going to do this as he goes down a memory journey with the goodness and the power of God. In verse 3, he says, there was a time. In Habakkuk, he says, God came down from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Peron. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Now, we might not know right off the bat what this place means, but to God's people at this time, they would have known exactly what it meant. Because whenever God delivered the Israelites away from the Egyptian slavery, he parted the Red Sea, they went through it, and the Egyptians drowned chasing after them. And this, God took them to this place. And so it was this place that they found refuge and started to become a new people of God again. And so he's saying, I remember that place. Just as God would often have people create or build altars to remember who God is and what he did and in the New Testament, we take the cup and the bread and we remember what Jesus did and who he is. And this is what Habakkuk is doing. He goes on in verses three, four through six. He says, his splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand. Where his power was hidden, plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. 
He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. Did your parents ever give you a look when you were a kid that just made you tremble? The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. And then here's what Habakkuk does. And you can read this on your own, verses 7 through 15 in Habakkuk. But he goes through this very detailed explanation of remembering when God displayed his glory and power through nature. In fact, you could almost imagine God say, or imagine him saying, like, God, I remember sometimes. I remember when you guided your people by fire and cloud. And I remember when you fed us with bread from heaven. I remember when the waters parted and we walked through. I remember when you shook the earth and the walls crumbled down. And I remember when you used torrential rain to defeat the enemy and used pestilence and plagues. God, I remember what you're capable of. Renew those deeds in our day. And whenever I'm in the dip, sometimes I just, I just have to remember. Just remember, I go back to who I know God is. When I don't see him, I remember what he's done in the past. And in my mind, I remember, you know, there's certain different events or things in my life. I remember when I was four years old and uh, my family, were, we were all out at, of at the bay. I'm from San Diego. And so we were out at this bay. And I don't remember how it actually happened. I didn't know how to swim at the time. And we were walking on some little roundabout sandbar. And somehow I had fallen off and ended up in the deep water. And apparently nobody else saw me fall off and into the deep water. And I'm just sinking. I'm, I'm drowning. And I barely, like, was able to push myself up enough to just get, like, my, my hand to show. And just in that moment, my older brother just happened to barely see a glimpse of me and was able to run in and save me. And I'm just like, it was a miracle. Like, you know, I shouldn't have been here. I remember my sophomore year of high school going on a church trip, a, a church camp uh, for the summer. And it was probably my first, even though growing up in, in a Christian home my whole life, I experienced Christ in a way that I never had before. I experienced him through community for the first time. And it was life-changing for me. And so much so when I came home from that trip, I ended up getting baptized. I also, I can remember the miracle upon miracles of, of meeting my wife, Holly, and the crazy ways that, that God brought us together through a CD that I had made. And for those that don't know my story, it's too long to share right now, but you can always scan the QR code and look up the pursuit of love that we did last year where we shared in two weeks, we shared just the full story of, of how God showed up in our, our relationship and, and brought us together. So a little plug in for the QR code. Um, amazing time. But I remember how God changed this San Diego heart to be willing to move to Michigan. I remember when we moved out here and my youngest daughter Brinley was born, the doctors gave her a 50% chance of, of survival because they discovered she had partially collapsed lungs and was laboring and breathing. I remember when my father was diagnosed with cancer in the brain, in the lungs, and we were scared and we were praying and we had others praying and he's been miraculously healed from that. I remember when God helped me to come out of my comfort zone to lead worship for the first time in front of people, and in the same sense to even be up here and to speak in front of people. And now some of you might be thinking like, well, I haven't experienced anything like that. 
But those, for those of you who've been believers, any amount of time, I guarantee if you think that God will show you some things that he's done, it could be something like where you just, you didn't know what to do. And you came to church and it might as well been just you and God where it felt like every word that the, the pastor was speaking was, was inspired for you. You can remember that. Or maybe it was a time where you were hurting and you turned the radio on and it was just this particular song. It just felt like it was God's message to you. Or it could be something as simple as one day you're reading the Bible and a verse jumps out at you and you're like, you know, oh my goodness, if this verse was ever written for anyone, it, was, it must have been for me. And you remember what God did. It could have been something like where you were hurting and someone was right there who prayed for you and you knew that God sent that person to you. And you go back to these times in your head and in your heart, not in the sense of like where you're denying what you're feeling and trying to go back to this place, but in a sense where you are drawing on a source of renewing your faith and your hope. And so what do you do when you, when you are trying to climb out of the dip? You remember what God has done. God, I remember your glory. I remember your deeds, your power. Renew them in your day. I know you've done it before, God. I believe you can do it again. So you remember. The second thing you do is accept. You accept what God is doing. Now, this doesn't mean that you just roll over and, and play dead and not pray for a miracle. But when you are in the dip, it is time to acknowledge that you are in the dip. Or if God has directly spoken to you as he did with Habakkuk in this story, if God has spoken and said, it is so, then you accept what God has said. Because too many Christians don't. And they're called HITS Christians, H-I-T-S, which stands for Head in the Sand Christians. And check this video out. I know, random, right? <laughs> the funny thing is, he was saying when he did that video, his cameraman kept saying, just keep your head, like, one more minute, one more minute. And then finally, as a long time went by, he pops his head up to see his cameraman just sitting there laughing at him. He wasn't even recording anymore. Just wanted to see him keep putting his head in there. But anyway, too many people, we just, we deny the reality of what's going on. And that doesn't mean we can't pray for a miracle. Yes, we can and should. But if God has spoken clearly, then we have to accept what God is doing, even when we don't like it. And you can see this coming about in Habakkuk's verse 16, when he's speaking about how he felt hearing the message of God. And so remember, God is like, I'm going to destroy the Israelites using the Babylons. And here's how Habakkuk felt in verse 16, 316a. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. 
My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones and my legs trembled. You can almost feel it. Habakkuk realized what God was saying was going to come to pass. And it's, it's not going to be pleasant. God has spoken and he didn't, he didn't go into this, this hits phase. Habakkuk didn't put his head in the sand. Instead, he looked truth right in the face. And he said, this is not going to be a fun season. A lot of innocent people are going to die. Probably me, probably my loved ones. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed and I don't like it. But I trust God even though I don't fully understand. And it's not denial. He says the sovereign hand of God is doing something here. God has spoken, and so I'll accept what he is doing as difficult as it is for me to accept. I've seen God do miraculous healings in people's lives, um, like I shared about my dad. Um, And I've, I've also seen many friends that have been sick and they weren't healed, and many of them have passed away. And those were hard moments for me. We had, uh, there was a mother that my wife and I met. She was a mother of four kids. Um, Three of them were still living with her, and she was in a domestic violence situation. And uh, so we helped her out of that situation, and so we were trying to get her off and going in the right direction, and she was going to court battles, ugly custody battles, all sorts of things. And in the meantime, she started having these stomach pains, and she went to the doctor to find out that she had cancer and a very rare form of cancer. So now she was losing her job and fighting all these things. It just came out of a domestic, and she loved the Lord, all these things. And so my wife and I were like, we'll take you in, just whatever we can do to help. To, and so we took her and her three children in. She had a two-year-old boy at the time, which was the same age as our youngest daughter, Brinley, at the time. Um, then she had a middle school-age boy and then a college-age girl that was still living with her. And, and so we took them all in. And during that time, we were praying with them and, and watching them pray. And I'll never forget just being in our kitchen, and she's like, She's just bawling, like just crying and pleading with God, like, I just want to live long enough to see my children grow up. And I'm just like, yes. And I'm thinking in my mind and my heart, like, if ever a time, God, for you to create an amazing end to this story, like, this would be it. Like, heal her, heal her and, and bring her back to, to full health and, and fix this whole situation. And I believe you can. And... um the good news is that she started to get better in fact so they she was able to end up leaving and end up getting a job again and and so we were excited like she'd been healed there was no trace of cancer and then and then like four months later it came back tenfold and she started just going downhill very quickly and then we were actually on our converge trip at the time and it was the very first night we were there that we received a text that she had passed away my heart, my heart just broke. And I struggled accepting the thought that that she wasn't going to be around to see her kids grow up. Sometimes something is going to happen 
that we don't like or it's already happened. And we have to accept that maybe it's not gonna be the outcome that we want. In those times, you remember what God has done and you accept what God is doing. And now here's the beautiful and the powerful thing of whatever you're going through. And that is this, the third thing that Habakkuk teaches us to climb out of the dip is trust. He teaches us to trust what God is going to do. So we remember what he did, we accept what he is doing, and we trust what he's going to do. And, and this is found very clearly in verse 16 through 18, some of the richest verses of this whole story. Again, Habakkuk says, I don't understand it, I don't like it. And the Babylonians, they should get theirs, and we are getting ours, and I don't like it. And yet he says in Habakkuk 3:16 through 18, he says, Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. I'm going to wait in Babylon. They're going to get theirs because God has said it to be so. And then he goes on, Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crops fell and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen or no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. When he has no reason whatsoever, physically or visibly, to rejoice, he says, even though the fig tree doesn't bud yet, I will rejoice in my God. Even though there's no cattle in the barn, yet I will rejoice in my God. In your life, it may be even though this relationship didn't work out, yet I will rejoice in my God. Or, or maybe even, even though this job didn't turn out the way that I thought it would, yet I will rejoice in my God. Or maybe even though I'm not healed from this sickness or this injury, yet I will rejoice in my God, even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it, even though I know he could and he should, but he's not, yet I will trust in the Lord my God. I pray every single one of us would grow to a Habakkuk chapter 3 type of faith. But here's the deal, you can't have a chapter three type of faith without a chapter one type of question and a chapter two kind of waiting. Because God can do more spiritually in the dip than he can on the mountaintops. And those who are closest to God They've been through this. And the low times God proves his faithfulness and his character and his grace and his goodness. And I can say, doing ministry at a different capacity for over the last 25 plus years, I know I'm old, that I've walked with Jesus for enough yesterdays to trust him with all of my tomorrows. And I pray that each of you experience that as well 
if not yet, one day that you know his goodness and faithfulness in enough yesterdays to trust him with all your tomorrows. And how do we climb up out of the dip? We remember, we accept, we trust. We remember what he did. We accept what he is doing and we trust in what he is going to do. I'm gonna call the, the worship team up here. And as they're coming up, watch, watch this last verse, Habakkuk 3.19. Habakkuk says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Even though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no animals in the barn, and this is, this is really bringing all of Habakkuk all together, yet the Lord is in his holy temple. Be still all the earth before him. The righteous will live by faith. God's word will be true. I will find my strength and my hope in the Lord my God, and he will take me to new heights. When you do the Habakkuk, it means to embrace. It means to wrestle. Even when you're in the dip and you don't understand, you continue to embrace God or even perhaps wrestle with him. You admit, God, I don't understand. I'm pushing back. I love you, but I don't understand. And you embrace him. And even though he may not change the outward circumstances, or he may, he will take you spiritually to a new place of trust, new heights. Why doesn't God seem fair? I wish I had a more clear response or answer. But when I look, when I look at all this and I see this, I can't help but think it makes sense that he would allow this stuff to happen if this is the end result, that you have an intimate faith and relationship with him. Again, we talked about that in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why, why would a good shepherd lead his sheep through the valley? The only probable response is there must be something amazing on the other side that he would lead you to. He loves us so much. And you know what? He isn't fair. Because if we got what we all deserved, what is fair, I don't think we'd want that, right? So I don't understand it. I don't get it. Much like Habakkuk probably didn't understand it and didn't get it. But I can honestly say that I'm grateful that sometimes he's not fair. And I'm grateful that even in this dark valleys and this dip in your life that there's a hope and there's a faith that we can cling on to. You guys, most people I know 
They either go here or they go into this place of denial. I feel like this would be the narrow road that we learn about and that we hear. The road is narrow. And we understand why, because it's not easy. Everything in this life, we're, we're taught convenience is good and easy is good. This is where easy gets you. If you want something that's higher than that, you want the highest place to grow in your faith, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of challenges. And the thing is, is this is not like the top. And guess what this does? It drops down again. And that's our life, right? We continually hit different dips and valleys in our life, but we continue to grow and grow in the Lord. And that is my prayer for each of you tonight. Will you guys pray with me? God, thank you for ministering to us through the book of Habakkuk. God, I especially pray for those who are in the dip. I pray, God, that at this very moment that we could follow even what Habakkuk did, Lord, remembering your goodness and your promises and even accepting some of what we've been dealt with. But God, never letting go of you, trusting and believing, God, that, that you are still on the throne. All things are possible with you. And God, knowing that you will reveal yourself to us when we never let go of you, Lord. God, I pray that if anyone's in here that is just truly struggling, Lord, feeling like maybe they're at this crisis of belief point where they just don't know what to believe, or they've just been waiting and waiting and waiting, and they're grown weary of waiting. God, I pray that tonight's word in your scripture, Lord, would just encourage them, Lord, to just hang on, to not give up, God, that they would remember who you are and what you've done in their life. God, that they would accept what you are doing and that they would trust in what you're going to do. May we each draw closer to you, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm -hmm.